in true spirit of smart, funny torture, just like we did with James Bond, with George Hahn, and just like we did with the Marvel Cinematic Universe with MC McDonald and George Hahn again, we are now turning that prism of examining something in pop culture under the smart, funny, tortured light. And this time it is the classic Rankin Bass Christmas specials. And the ones that we're going to go over are A Year Without a Santa Claus, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Frosty the Snowman, and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And we've got three people this time joining us. Back is Dr. M.C. McDonald, trauma researcher, author, speaker, coach. MC is going to be the clinical guardrails of this uh, <laughs> of this loose sled on ice right here. <laughs> and then we also have our favorite, Carly Jackson, <laughs> prevention counselor from a high school in Queens, New York, and then also a wonderful coach. And uh, she's going to bring her own particular style here. And joining us, this one I am very excited about, Sean Cardinale, sex love addiction coach, somebody that is going to bring a refreshing and fun perspective to all of this. It should be a blast. So uh, you guys ready? Ready. Ready to go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cue the sleigh bells. All right. This should be good. Did you ever hear of that terrible year way back before you were born? When Santa Claus took a holiday on the night before Christmas morn. It was a year without a Santa Claus. A so our first one, we're going to go in reverse chronological order. Year without a Santa Claus. 1974, Mickey Rooney and Shirley Booth um, were the voices of Santa and Mrs. Claus. And this is the one where Santa Claus decides to take a knee on Christmas. He is under the weather, doesn't feel it, and wants to stay in bed. And his uh, two of his elves jump town, and uh, they try to see if they can find Christmas spirit to get Santa back in the swing of things. And Mrs. Claus helps out as well. MC, what is going on with Year Without a Santa Claus? You know, it. most of us come away with, it's just Santa is just tired. He's exhausted. He's burned out. You had a different take on this. I go two places. One, Santa is a narcissist. And two, he is very severely depressed because whatever is going on with Santa is not a cold. It's getting passed off as a cold for the entire you know movie, but it's not a cold. You said burnout, yeah. right? So that's, a, that's a contender. Um, but my the way that the story arc goes, if you pay attention to what happens... Right. Santa is mad because there's not enough Christmas spirit. So he feels slighted. So what does he do? He engages in protest behavior and says, I refuse to have Santa. I mean, I refuse to have Christmas. I'm pulling away all of your joy because you didn't give me what I wanted. And then when, you know, we can talk about the other pieces of the story and how this works. But then at the end, when Christmas spirit is reinstated and he gets the attention that he needs, all of a sudden he's willing to step back into the spotlight. I was pissed. Wow. I know. Sean's got the look on my that I had on me. I was like, yeah, I, I think you're right. But I didn't see that one coming. Not at all. Not at all. Holy <laughs> shit. A year Without was the most confusing to me. 
Carly, I don't want to step on your toes. If you want to go, please, and follow the doctor. Uh -uh. Please, please. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come in after you. You start. Okay. All good. Okay. Carly's cleanup picture on these. <laughs> <laughs> just, just lay it out. Uh, yeah. So I was fascinated and confused by Year Without. I actually, I didn't take uh, Claus, Santa Claus to be the, the, the villain. I didn't take him to be a narcissist. I thought Mrs. Claus has fucking borderline personality. She reminded me of my mom. Like, oh, like, like, I love you. Like, like, come here, come here. Like, let me hug you. And then you get a punch in the face. Oh, no, 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 no. I love you. I love you. I love you. No. And then an elbow to the nose. And it's like, no, okay. Are you sure? She's kind of doing the passive aggressive thing about getting him out of the bed. And so what I was torn was like, do I feel bad about Santa? Should, should, because I really took his illness to be in earnest. So I was like, well, I, I do. If he's sick, let's give the guy a fucking break. And instead, what are we doing? We are, uh, 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 pushing for the kids of the world to act more entitled than they already are, mm. right? And, and Miss Claus framed it in like, uh, 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 it's not just about the gifts and the presents. Bullshit. It's totally about the gifts and the presents. That's all the kids are bitching about for when they when they get wind that Santa's not uh, uh, not coming. Also, how did they get wind? Did I miss that part? I was I was watching it in like 1.5 speed. So because I was like, oh shit, I got four of these to get through. <laughs> so that's my question. I. I I put uh, Mrs. Claus more as the uh, the antagonist. I wanted to be, and then I wanted to be um, sympathetic for Santa. Uh, uh, and so I, I kind of was. I was like, kids, you can you can take it for a year. You can you know go do some fucking community service. All right, don't worry about the presents. That was my take. <laughs> so interesting that we went in such opposite directions there. Like, I wonder if there's some parent stuff going on. <laughs> parent stuff, maybe gender acculturation yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. Open. I'm open to all of it i'm open to all of it carly <clears throat> yeah i have some uh different ideas about about both of them first of all i thought she was just cute as a button with the old little uh dimples um but her my experience with with her well, she triggered me in the beginning being the sugar addict that I am. I mean, dude could have been on a detox and she's like, we need to fatten your ass up. I'm like, dude, you you have no idea where this dude is on his recovery journey. Okay, I'm being extra. But but here's my feelings about um, Santa. I don't know if I see him as a narcissist. I, I, I was annoyed because um, I've experienced working at, my job where one person had the control of everything, like the key, there's one key maker. God love him. He's like a hundred. I love him. Um, and if he's not in, there's no one else to make the keys. So I was kind of annoyed, like, why is everything on him? And then I really deep down kind of dug, kind of dug that she was, she fantasized about being able to be Santa. Am, am I bugging or no? No, no she, she did. That's just a, yeah, she, she, she did. She even she put on the she, beard, right? Little she engaged in she Listen, engaged in fantasy cosplay. I dug it. I loved it because first of all, back in the Dizzy, um, with the war and everything, the women had to uh, uh step up anyway, and we and we rocked it. Absolutely. So she could have rocked it. She could have rocked it. But but I'm going back to Santa. I, I felt like he definitely could have been depressed. Um, and then remember the doctor was just so like mean and anal and annoying. Yep. He actually, I noticed that he made mention that he actually had those same feelings too. 
like when the doctor was like shutting down, he was like, he had already felt that way about, you know, about Christmas. And so all he needed was somebody to align with his, with that negativity. And then he kind of like shut it down. But one thing I kind of, um, I guess related to in a positive sense about Santa, I don't think it, in my eyes, it wasn't narcissism, right? Like I'm a counselor. Um, I'm not a teacher. I would not have the patience to be a teacher, but I've had the luxury of being able to show up, really be out of it and be, and say to my students, I'm tired Mm y'all. Anybody want to be Miss Jackson? Mm -hmm. And then a kid will step in to be Miss, Miss Jackson. Here I am feeling like crap, no energy. And when I tell you, when I see the students step in the leadership position, I'm literally invigorated. Like it literally brings me back to life. And I felt like Santa, when he started getting those cards and those things from, you know, the, 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 the kids, it lit his ass back up. So I kind of related to him. I I didn't think he was such a bad dude. But this is the emotional manipulation of the narcissist, right? That (laughs) Holy fuck. Look at that. Okay. MC's not okay. backing down. I no, thought she's Carly, like, really. I, I listen, she thought I was getting points. her. I thought I was getting her. She smiled. I was I like, know. oh, I'm softening her up. I'm softening no, her up. She was no, smiling she was, for the kill. She was writing notes. She was taking fucking notes on everything you were saying. <laughs> You're writing fucking oh. notes. Sean and I are just gonna sit back. This is this is a knife fight I don't want to be a part of. Because here's the thing, you, everything that you just said about yourself, Santa did not have, right? Because when, when Mrs. Claus was, was like, I can do it. I'll be Santa. That was not unacceptable to him. And then when the kids were giving him attention, he didn't want anyone else to step into that. Well, wait, but when she said that she'll do it, was he around? Wasn't she in fantasy land? Just giving us a video. Oh, I thought there was one point where he says, no, 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 that's ridiculous. Like there was a dismiss. He sees her from the back. Yes, he's right. from the back. Yeah, no. Wow, this is a this is a point and counterpoint. Um, Sean, any anything to? I'm just gonna ask. No, I, I have nothing. No, I'm I'm kind of afraid for my life. I'm gonna ask MC <laughs> MC. Why isn't it that Santa? Okay, can we for a second take his illness in earnest? Let's say he's not bullshitting. Because that's why how I want to see how you get back around to the narcissism. He he is he is fat. prone he's prone to comorbidities. Mm-hmm. Right, he, right he's he's a morbidly obese. He's probably got diabetes for all the sweets and all the shit. Uh, uh, he sits all day like a truck driver, even though he's going all all the way around the world. And uh, 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 so, if we take his illness seriously, then how how do you explain the narcissism when he's just saying mm-hmm. where Paul started? I'm just mm. fucking tired this year. Can somebody it's else? It's a lot. Somebody I else pitch am obese. I understand the pain. <laughs> it it felt to me performative. It it I, I I'm not buying it. No, he did. He did spring back quick. He did, he did put on a suit and get out of town. It wasn't like he was coughing and wheezing. Yep. As soon as he got that attention that he wanted, he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but wait a minute. Wasn't he? Wasn't? Oh damn! I hope I'm not mixing up Santas. Didn't he go? <laughs> didn't he go out? Like looking for his people. Yeah, the, jingle the and jingle. Yep, yep. Yeah. But where is the narcissism? That's not care and love and concern. That's no, he's concerned about OSHA violations. Yes. And that it's gonna make him look bad. Because when oh. when he found out that those two that those two, when two workers were gonna yeah. be harmed. Yeah, that's he that's liability. Mad. 
big match. And one more thing, he, if he had been a really good manager and he was like, man, I'm tired. I'm sick. I got the flu. Like this happens, right? It's the Christmas season. Mm -hmm. Everyone is getting sick. He could have delegated if he cared about Christmas and not his ego. Boom. Mm. I got you. Wow. I thought all the elves were, were little, little, little bullies. I thought that the elves and Mrs. Claus were like, we're, we're, we're sort of, again, not so passively aggressively saying, nope, we're going to get you out of bed. We're going to do this. We're going to rally, but not in that helpful, kind way. They're like manic, right? They're like manic. No, no, no. We got to do the same thing we do every year, right? Oh, the little fucking elves, like, you know, high on their like sugar cane, uh, fucking <laughs> or candy cane sugar. That's what insulin resistance will get you. <laughs> that's a perfect, that's a perfect segue talking about bullies to the two dudes who stole the show. Heat Miser and Cold Miser to get Santa Claus, or rather, oh, wait, I'm drawing a blank. Um, Mrs. Claus, in order to, what is she, why is she cutting the deal with these guys? Because she's trying to get the it to snow. She's trying to right. get it to snow in Southtown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in order, and this will have the, this will make the Christmas spirit come back if it's like all festive looking. And the oh. and Cold Miser says no problem. His mm-hmm. brother, who controls Southtown, will not bring down the temperature to loud snow. And then he counters exact leverage on the North Pole. He yeah. wants sunny day and warm in the North Pole. And as we said before, uh, forty years later, he got his wish. Um, <laughs> and so those two those two guys have a very interesting relationship with their mother. Yeah. Who then Mrs. Claus, both boys decide to say no to Mrs. Claus. And so she goes over their head to their mother, Mother Nature. And I goes like visit Mother her. Nature. Mm-hmm. And Mother Nature has also a very interesting relationship with her boys that she can summon them with a snap of her finger. And these grown men address their mother as, Yes, Mother Dear. So they gave you a hard time, did they, Mrs. Claus? <laughs> oh, I'm sure they didn't mean to. Oh, yes, they did. They're nasty little boys, both of them. <laughs> oh, well, I wouldn't say Oh, that. I'll straighten them out for you. Oh, you children. What is it, Mother dear? Now, Mrs. Claus MC, how healthy is that? So there's so much pathology here, right? These grown <laughs> adults who, who are powerful enough and grown enough to have their own territories, right? They're not Demigods. just adults, right? They're leaders. They have superpowers. They have music numbers that they each do. Right. Song and dance men, more These importantly. Are, exactly. These are differentiated, <laughs> full-grown adults. And she snaps her finger, literally, and they appear without even any sort of like willing movement. They just are there, stay, like Ooh. flanking their mother and ready to kind of do whatever. And they immediately regress to childhood versions of themselves and fight each other as if they were 12. Is not- this emotional incest? Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. Was that, was that like, a good pull? Was that it? It could be. We don't know enough about the backstory, right? So emotional instance is when, is when a child is like parentified in some way and kind of given more emotional um, burden than they would have, 
you know, been developmentally able to take. Yeah, Sean. I'm raising my hand. Yeah, no, but I don't. No, no, no. It wasn't oh. for a question. That's me. Yeah. So you can speak yeah. better to it than as you know, you know, from the inside, but that, um, and that may be what's going on, but, but whatever is happening, it's disturbing to me. And I, and I think this is probably plays a role in why these two are power obsessed is that their differentiation from their mother hasn't actually been complete. It's kind of a facade. It could have also been, um, I, I I'm, I'm very close to someone who's married a mama's boy. So I know what that you know looks like but in that situation I actually like how she handled them I thought she, it was very like balanced like the way she put it out there um and I took the whole power dynamic from you know the guys being you know very high up as kind of a humility thing you know what I mean like um I don't know like like I have a very successful brother and <laughs> like, I know how to bring him down to earth. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's not uh, like- With a snap, and, and, like she did. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not like a bad thing. It's kind of like, you know, this This is where I get to like be human. I think I saw it more like that and less um, freaking Munchausen syndrome. I'm being extra, but you know what I mean? <laughs> like I saw it more of that than, um, than the emotional incest. Because I have seen, I have seen that before yeah i gotta tell you i was i gotta go back to when i was a kid i remember being a little kid seeing this and i was always fascinated by this incredibly powerful woman this divine feminine depiction genteel flowers birds in her hair and yet she commanded this godlike power but would have tea on a cloud and i was a kid that just i mean I'm not saying it was a sexual awakening, but I'm like, wait a minute. There's, I need to look into the female psyche a little bit more. This is amazing. And then I have a very strong mother. So yes, I was, I was always fascinated by that. Mrs. Claus. No, not so much. Shirley Booth. No, but a woman that could live on a cloud and act like Mary Poppins, but yet control ecosystems. It's kind of right. Mother, Mother Nature's gangster. <laughs> I didn't expect any less from her. I mean, that's what she does. She's a dog. I mean, could you imagine? You know, she she snapped her finger, the lightning came down. I mean, wh what else could we picture? Her, you know, picking up a rotary and call hell no. She is snapping her shit. And and that's Mother Nature. Yeah. You know, so I, I definitely there's yeah. a sound bite for the podcast, wait, Mother Nature's wait, Gangster. But wait, I wanted to say something too. This um before Mother Nature came, that this was the scene where if, when I was looking away from the television, I thought a black dude was was on and I looked up and it wasn't. It was the policeman talking about the the or jingle the, and jangle. Yeah. Right, yeah. About the about their dog. Mm -hmm. exactly. But but the interesting thing is, is when he said Southtown, I was like, okay, so dude just has a Southern accent because he, he kind of sounded like a black dude to me. And then mm -hmm. I realized it was more probably a Southern accent. So. Mm -hmm. yes, it, Southtown was not tremendously diverse. Mm -hmm. As you yeah. pointed out, none of these are tremendously diverse. <laughs> Carly, this is for a total sidebar some other time and as we get to know each other, but when I code switch 
to my father's family's voices. They're from Mississippi. They were all uh, Oakland raised, but they're from Mississippi. And to this day, my kids will even give me shit because they're like, dude, you're not from the South. You're raised in like fucking Stockton, California. But when they, when I talk with, with black folks, it goes into, and I'm like, I swear to Christ, I'm not doing it on purpose. It's where my, it's, I, it's not conscious at all. It's a true right. code switch. I'm in right. my zone. I'm talking with my people. No, I'm not from the fucking South, but you know, what? my grandma was so, Fuck off, you know, I, I do. I do that amongst Mexicans and I don't speak Spanish, but I can carry the accent, which gets me in trouble. Mm. So and I, I couldn't even imagine you carrying the accent. You should give us a little. Not here. Not here. I will. I will we'll, we'll, save that. we'll say not to form. We'll save that for the Day of the Dead podcast. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Before before you move to the next one, yeah. I, I just I still want to just say because you guys are uh, uh, deep in the 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 mother nature thing and the, and the power and the, and the attitude, uh, but I still was bugged. Regardless, uh, it seemed like Mrs. Claus to me was pushing this hardcore right American capitalist consumerist like let's get fucking Christmas back on so that the economy doesn't bottom out. And that's why that's the part that I was hooked on was mm. was that she you think she's the hero and she's trying to save Christmas. But again, like I said at the top of our conversation about this, she's really just she's saying it's not about presence. But I think that's bullshit, because what happens at the end, the entitled fucking American kids, Gen Zers and and post Gen Zers are all getting their their toys, their goods, their things. This isn't about some like. Um, spirit of Christmas in like the real Christianity, like Jesus kind of way, you know, not the mm. right wing evangelical, evangelical bullshit, but it's, just, it's still about extolling this consumerism. And I was <clears> like, <throat> wow, that's, that's kind of mind blowing. Like, I mean, I'm American too. So I mean, I get it. I want my presence, but it was weird. I love I totally it. Agree. it. Mrs. Claus is a capitalistic lady Macbeth. Yeah. <laughs> And I think if we want to go back and unravel everything that we've been talking about, because that's what we're doing, it's which is, you know, this is for fun. That um, I think I was reminded of Marx when, 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 when Santa first comes on and he's having these symptoms, because I was thinking he's alienated from his work and that's the problem. And that's the Whoa. first step in the sort of unraveling of, you know, the capitalist st structure starts to crumble. So I think well, that's, yeah. the worker is that, uh, you know, that's one of our topics. Yeah. Coming up. All right. Oh, good, so everybody, okay. everybody buckle up for that one. Okay. But you can um, you can call him alienated though when it's his choice, though. Well, I just think when so Marx had the thing about like when you become when you feel like you're a cog in the machine, right? You're you become alienated from your work, it starts to feel meaningless. And I felt like there was mm -hmm. a thread there with Santa mm -hmm. because he doesn't have the um, and I have to put down the kind of ridiculous, silly claim about him being a narcissist, which I don't really think is true, but it's funny, um, which. No, if, you, you take that to your grave. You own that one. <laughs> if, if he felt, if he lost a meaning in what he was doing, which is this incredible, as we've all been talking about, is this incredible burdensome task, then he's going to lose motivation. And since he's at the top, there's nothing to revolt against except the very system itself. With his reindeers and his sleigh, so you better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Nineteen seventy, Santa Claus is coming to town. Uh, Fred Astaire as the postman, Mickey Rooney again, uh, this is where he started. And uh, Keenan Wynn, uh, Paul Fries is a classic. 
my personal favorite. Um, this one is the origin story of Santa Claus. This tells where he comes from. They took some massive liberties. Not that there was ever canon for Santa Claus in 1970. But uh, yeah, um, Santa Claus was a baby, an orphan, found in an Eastern Bloc village, taken off to the orphan asylum, as they say, which I don't think is politically correct anymore to say. That is what they fucking <laughs> called it. It's crazy. It's, it's both. We got the crazy people and the kids everyone threw away. That's it's right. like double down. Mm-hmm. And um, then he was rescued by a small family of elves who were toy makers to the king. And then they raised him sort of like last son of Krypton action, as far as I'm concerned, which I'm still convinced on, because like I said, that sledding accident was the most savage impact I have ever seen a sled take a tree and a baby survive. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he was raised, came back, gave the people of, of Sombertown toys and their authoritarian ruler, the Burgermeister Meisterberger, said no to toys. And uh, because that <laughs> dug up some generational and childhood trauma for him. MC, what's the one that's sticking out here? There's a couple, right? What are the big blinking red lights on your board on this one? So many. Do we want to go right to the sexual awakening? No, we should wait. You cool. you can't say, you can't walk into a cocktail party and go, should we start with the sexual awakening or should we hold off? Put a pin in that. And then everyone's like, the jaws are dropped and we're waiting. This is how you keep listeners. Let's put a pin in it. Um, we can talk about Chris as a baby and his. Chris is a baby. All right. Nice. Nice. Technique. Story. I had this. Um, have fun toying with my listeners. Thank you. <laughs> it's 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 edging. Um, the idea oh. of <laughs> Chris being uh, possibly a changeling was my thing. Oh, that's right. Which because he's, he's I, I just know about this idea from sort of because I'm Irish this Irish folklore kind of thing, right? That changelings were like human-like fairies that had special abilities and they were left in place of human children and had very interesting stories. And sometimes they had um, red hair, sometimes they had a beard. And this is because it's Irish culture, obviously. Um, But Chris, it's just reminded me of that watching it this time time through is that maybe there's something kind of um, supernatural going on here, you know? Yeah, I mean, he was certainly imbued and he had powers within. Um, that's why I'm saying I'm like there, like DC Comics needs to, you know, they should have thrown their cease and desist over the wall on this one. <laughs> Chris grows up into a strapping young man. Family very, used very to... attractive Santa. <laughs> very oh, is, he? is he? You find him hot. Well, he, he is a fellow, he is a fellow ginger. He is, yes. And, and that, that was that was one of my biggest notes. I was like, oh shit. Santa's a ginger. That's kind of, I just, I just made a note of that. I was like, I never knew. We always see him with the white hair, you know? So that was my first note. Santa and Mrs. Claus were Mm -hmm. both double gingers because when Chris goes to Sombertown to give the kids toys, the, he gets almost shooed away by the school teacher there, Miss Jessica who then ends up falling in love with the bad boy renegade that comes to town. MC, I believe this is where we left off. <laughs> this is weekend. How about this? Right. Perhaps this is the climax of what you referred to earlier. Indeed. Look at, look at the terminologies. Go ahead. <laughs> You're the prevention counselor. So he knows exactly what he's doing. <laughs> Yes. So he hands her a piece of her childhood because she kind of comes at him 
and she is, you know, laying down the law and saying there are not toys allowed here. And he hands her a little doll, knowing that this would have been her toy of choice <laughs> as a child. And um, she immediately starts to cry. She has an emotional response. And then within days, she has fallen in love with Chris. She says toys are okay. She's breaking the rules instantly. And then she has this scene where she has. No, because she said within days, I'm like, she, he could have got the underwear the minute she picked the, um, the damn doll. <laughs> She was do you think do you think part of his powers was like there's Santa pheromones that you're just like you're just, yeah like you're just like Tom Jonesing your underwear up on stage? <laughs> <laughs> but so she goes to this fountain, and I went back and listened to the song again, and I think there's some even more suggestible things in there that I realized or suggestive things in there. Um, and she has she takes her hair down, and she says that she says right before she starts singing the song that. She's, she realizes that she's supposed to be with Chris. She belongs to him. And then she takes her hair down and she does this musical number in front of this fountain. And it's very psychedelic. And she sings this song about how everything is happening and it's out of her hands and her new life starts today. I promise they will never disturb you again. Bah, what good are your promises? Goodbye, good luck, and good riddance. My own town turned against me. Well, my eyes are beginning to open for the very first time to what life is really all about. And I know just where I belong, with Chris, wherever he is. Today is not the end, it's only the beginning. And after MC explained this to me, I had to go find Jesus after this because I'm like, Oh my God, she's next to a gurgling fountain while all of this is going down. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, clearly I don't get enough. I was just caught up in the romance. I, I just loved the whole, and her voice was beautiful. I was completely- Are we just filthy and deranged, Carly? I, I think, well, I wouldn't say that. I mean, you'll, you'll just- I'm thinking I don't get enough is why I don't see the things that you mm. all see. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I'm seeing through a dry ass lens. <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm keeping sorry. it real. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my mm -hmm. AP is going to see this. He's going to be mortified. <laughs> you. Oh, shit. I feel I feel bad because I I I'll be honest. I, I must have nodded off my, my I don't have as many notes for this. Out of the four, I have the, the fewest uh, notes for this one. And and as with the last one, I went on the uh, sociopolitical tip and I was really struck by the line uh, regarding the Burgermeister. It was sort of wrapping up at the end, I think, you know, the fall of Burgermeister's regime. Yes. They sort of died off and fell out of power. And I was like, that's it? They died off? I was like, there's so much in that little short sentence. We're just going to whisk right by it. What did you want to the end and get to the happy ending? Do you want like to Like firing yeah. squad it was i just something. i swear to god if there's if there's any film student at art center that wants to put together a stop animation of the assassination of burgermeister i'll fund awesome. it <laughs> <laughs> Love that. send it to usc send it to ucla yeah exactly uh, no but it was like it's like political science 101 it's like a quick survey class course in college we just slept it on the rug we're moving on you know uh, it was wild so that that's what really but caught you know my what? attention Sean, that's a really good point. But how incredibly prescient that was to the fall of the wall. 
It's like, that's what happened. They just got mm. old and they fell out of power. And it just like overnight, it changed. Right. And that's okay. what they called it. There, there was a Simpsons like future prediction level stuff right there. Right, right. And this is what, yeah. this is 70? 1970. So we, I mean, so the heat of the Cold War, man, right in the middle of it. Well, and, and wasn't, uh, so this is like post Tet Offensive, right? This is all the shit blowing up in Vietnam, right? This is now yeah. we're in hardcore political. Well, everyone's dead for one thing. Uh, 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 everyone got killed in 68 yeah. massive protest 69 and 70 70 you know huge, huge turning point tent state so no that i was just thinking of all the the end of the civil rights era proper and this is what comes out i was like holy shit height of the cold war and here we had this you know town that was brought down by toys mm -hmm. um, and authoritarian rule was ended anything and else that may, that, well that may be why the 1974 iteration then is is Oh, no, 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 Santa Claus, the year without Santa Claus, actually more dour. Hmm. Mm. I was going to say maybe that had a little more joy and was kind of a, a, a snapback, but no, 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 it's, no, it's, no, never mind, never mind. Well, as we go back in time, how about let's go a little bit darker with Frosty the Snowman? No. You want, oh, you still got more? Well, because I was going to make my little comment. Oh, God, you forgot your best part. Oh, my God. No, it's run not my over best this. part. Yeah, I just wait. wanted to. You've got to do. You've got to do the song. Okay, so Chris goes to uh -uh. town, and all the kids. Yeah, you are. But wait a minute! You were literally gonna leave. <laughs> I Santa forgot. I'm coming so... to town and go to to the to the snowman. Frosty oh, was a fucking. We didn't even talk about Warlock. I mean, there's so many things. Oh, all right, in here. all right. Okay, that's why you're oh. here. That's why you're here. Okay. Oh, shut up, Carly. I'll shut up. I took us on Are... like the socio political side. You know, side. I know it's got me off. Carly, you have the con. All right. Well, I'm going to just run through my notes. So I mentioned um, there's a song, If You Sit On My Lap Today song. Yes. Would you like me to set that up for you? You Well, you want to put it on? Oh, what a good girl. Oh, what a good boy. <laughs> Oh, what a big smile, all because of a toy. If you sit on my lap today, a kiss, a toy is the price you'll pay. When you tell what you wish for in a whisper. I will. I'm, it's going to play for this. Everybody's going to hear well, it. But you could if you want. I just wanted to say that if you sit on my lap today's song, that it could sound like a pedophile's anthem. Personally. Yes, the, because... The full, just one moment. I just want to set it up for the listener on this one. When okay. Chris goes to town and the kids congregate around him, he sits down and sings a song. And the lyric of the song is, if you sit on my lap today, a kiss and a toy is a price you pay. And then mm -hmm. the kids sit on his lap, give him a kiss, as kids do on Santa Claus. They sit on his Possibly lap. Possibly feel a toy. Just saying. Okay, mm -hmm. I don't feel so bad for all the other stuff I said before because you just took this, got this Dude, really just, dark. It's the truth. Mm -hmm. They could have thought they were sitting on a train. <laughs> oh, hell of a thing to reference. <laughs> a moving train. All right, but so that's what I wanted to say. And, and I liked Warlock. No, Winter Warlock. Winter Warlock. Yes, he was a fearsome 
demigod again who exiled himself into the mountains and wanted nothing to do with people um, and protected the mountains of the whispering winds. Oh, I just think he was once a loving person. He'd be touched starved. You know what I mean? He and something happened built... to him. He got, he got something hurt. He saw some to shit. Him. Seriously. I mean, I don't know why oh. I have compassion. I think I have compassion because his transformation was so damn quick. Okay. You know I'm going mean? to, I'm going to tie up this universe and winter warlock is the ex-husband of mother nature. <gasps> you think? And he just said, fuck it. I'm just going to go live in the mountains oh, and I'm just going to hate on people. And <laughs> I want nothing to do with that woman. But then and she was could... so powerful. Was, was, yeah. was he, is yeah. he, is he got... too, too, too toxic, too toxically yes. masculine? That's a, that's a fake. Advert. He was, he was, he was winter cuckold. He was emasculated. Right. <laughs> well, he, he wanted to, he wanted to be needed. And she's like, I don't need you. All right. That's just a I theory. Can... I'm throwing it out there. Silly warlock, man. That's that's a game changer. But no, he was sweet. It was sweet as hell. Just, I mean, yes. And when he was given a choo-choo. The animation on his face, like the expressiveness to that transformation is... It was beautiful. I was very touched. Mm -hmm. And Carly, I have to admit, yes. Thank you so much for pulling this back onto the rails on this one. Because this was the part that... That made me cry as a kid. It always used to choke me up is when they got married and he's sitting there and Fred Astaire says that, you know, they were not allowed in any town. They were political exiles. They were refugees. They were on the lamb and no church would, would hold them. And they got married before the eyes of the Lord. And then it cuts to winter warlock who does a little prayer. And he's like, please just a little bit more magic and then lights up the forest it was a lovely wedding yes sir they held it on christmas eve and since no town would welcome them they stood before the lord in the silent winter woods and a grove of pine trees was their cathedral they put all that pretty stuff onto the pine trees and then chris and jessica placed their wedding gifts to each other under the trees no church ever looked nicer Oh, please, let me have just a little magic. The very first Christmas trees. Man, that still chokes me up to this And then somebody called him Warlock, and he said, no, Winter. Yes. Get it right, damn it. I'm transformed. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And I love this song, the one foot in front of the other. I was, I, listen, I was taking notes for my life, okay? I sing that song still to this day when I am struggling. Like, and really? I have my whole life. It's the truth, though. It was some, it, it was kicking some real yep. self-help realness. You put one foot in front of the other, and then soon you find yourself walking out that door. Uh-huh. <laughs> Look at this. We would have missed all of this if we would have followed his ass to the snowman. You saved it. You saved the show. Saved oh the my God. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you came reserved like you did the other night. <laughs> uh, all right. Um I think I think we got all the blood out of that rock. Mm-hmm. We good? All right. Mm-hmm. Oh, Frosty, we don't care what grown-ups say. We know you did come to life. 
We know, Frosty. We just know. Frosty the Snowman was a jolly happy soul. Frosty the Snowman, 1969, the one that is the divergent style from these. This one was traditional animation, not stop animation. Mm -hmm. um, this is the this is based on the song that we all know and love that was actually mm -hmm. sang by Jimmy Durante, and they brought him back as the narrator of this as Jimmy Durante, um, which mm -hmm. is pretty cool. And um, only a half an hour long kids are last day of school before winter break and they get a their christmas party has entertainment and it is this absolutely hack of a magician professor hinkle who apparently also has a failing liver too apparent from his pallor right and uh yeah this guy's got nothing except a magic he's an alcoholic hat. he's an mm -hmm. alcoholic he's got nothing he's horrible around kids but he's got a magic hat and a super cool rabbit mm -hmm. yeah the rabbit takes off with the hat kids find the hat they throw it on a snowman and the rest is uh is christmas history after that and then the plight of getting frosty to a place that's cold all the time becomes the uh the goal of a little girl named karen mm -hmm. and not to be confused with a karen not to no this is the goat karen mm -hmm. okay and um mm -hmm. Proto. MC and I are locked on this one where we believe that this is the most tragic and saddest one of them all. The, 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 that I what agree. is the, the, the one that you would label this with MC? It just, this is about loss. It's about grief. It's about like the impending loss of someone that you love. It's about anticipatory grief. It's, I was talking about this, this quote from Derrida. Derrida wrote this book on, on losing friends called a work of mourning, where he writes a little eulogy for each of his friends who have passed. And he says that like, this is how, you know, that you have a friend is this, um, this, uh, this idea, this knowledge that one of the two of you will inevitably see the other die. Mm -hmm. And that's the core of this movie. That's then passed on as like stuff for children to watch, but it is mm -hmm. deeply, Deeply tragic. Mm -hmm. And totally. the, the whole idea of this little girl putting herself at risk to get on a train, go someplace, and then Frosty also putting himself at risk, putting her by a campfire, knowing that he's going to melt. And the two of them have this, I mean, would you go so far as to say a codependent relationship? I don't know if it's he fucking died. So he <laughs> melted for her. Like he's like, fuck my own life. So like almost you know, suicide by melting. I don't know. I mean, but does it have to be codependence? It just couldn't be like love and sacrifice. Oh. And I don't mean sacrifice of entire lives, but just I think it was more of a gen a general concern. I'm not so sure he was thinking, you know, when he wanted her to be warm, that I'm going to you know, disappear. I don't know. In his, you know, you're making him sound a little more Christ-like, which is, which is, is honorable, but, but, and in his defense, that asshole, who was the asshole who locked the door? To Professor Hinkle. Uh, right. Yeah. right, right, right. On a bender, probably, probably half <laughs> in the bag. And uh, uh, I just, I had it down as my, my least favorite it was oddly psychedelic, but isn't that the year? What year is this one? Isn't this 60? 69. 
there you go. Boom. Right in the fucking flower power heyday. Hate Ashbury was, was happening that year at the uh, Rankin Bass. And uh, wildly, I appreciate what, what MC was saying, because I, the first thing I thought uh, when the kids were worried about whether or not he would live or die was, uh, holy shit, these children are being faced, like MC was saying, with their own fucking mortality. It's like, no, no, they're not supposed to be there that soon. Yeah. They're not supposed mm-hmm. to be dealing with that kind of fucking trauma this early on. And uh, and I just I imagine the producers and the animators and the writers, you know, in like the creative room and just the creative juices going and going. Yeah, this is going to be totally age appropriate. Let's fucking wipe out like the, the the magical snowman that brings the kids joy. The girl almost dies of fucking hypothermia right on the on the way, uh, you know, almost sacrifices herself for him. And then it reverses like like Carly was saying. Um, yeah, it was a little bizarre. A little bizarre. I, lost, I lost a little respect for his her for her friend group as they were waving at the damn train. I was like, and I hate to be sexist, but I'm looking at the little dudes. I'm like, you little, mo-. like y'all just letting her go by her damn self, you know, with with ice. I know. I just, yeah. I felt like, what kind of friends are those? Mm. But they so were funny. also only children, you know, and now that you bring up the psychedelic stuff, I mean, you know, peace, love. Folks was just doing their own damn thing, but I don't think she was smoking. <laughs> wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Could there be a monster fucking sidebar argument that uh, all the kids were, that the kids were, and that Frosty's animation is all a hallucination? Collective hallucination. That LSD, so LSD amazing. shrooms. Wow. Right? <laughs> fucking Kool-Aid. You brought it up. You never this, know. Just throwing it out there. Karen wakes up as a 20-something woman and she goes, you wouldn't believe the dream I just had. I was a kid. There was an animated snowman. Wild. So the thing that has stayed with me ever since I was a kid, and I now I think about it, and you talk about, Sean, age appropriate. The And I bring it back to the, the Hitchcock quote, and I'm going to paraphrase it and butcher it, but he says, if you see a bomb, it's not as suspenseful as the bomb being under the table that you never see. That's more suspenseful. And the fact that you don't see Frosty die, but the door opens up and then you see a sobbing little girl with her knees in a puddle of her dead friend. And I'm like, wow, that's that's dark. But when they got inside, a terrible sight met their right. Knowing that she saw him go from a thing to nothing. I mean, what did he say as he was going? Was he like, don't cry for me, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Open the goddamn door now. (laughs) This isn't going well. (laughs) I took my friendship too far. And then maybe he realized his own codependence, which goes right back to that. He's like, I did it again. I... That's amazing. And you are dead on. You need to talk to John Kim about this, but it's screenwriting 101. You're right. You show the reactions of the people. You show the aftermath, not the actual thing happening, right? It's scarier when you don't see it. It's more dramatic when you don't see it. That's an yeah. excellent point. So you got to tra- traumatize a little girl because she's seen some shit. And Santa Claus is there. Makes it all better. 
opens the door, mm. brings some magic in, and Frosty comes back, puts the hat on. He chastises Professor Hinkle and um, sends him on his way. And Santa Claus uh, takes Frosty and uh, and Karen and then, and then dumps her off on her roof. It's like, bye, little girl. Here, you're on your roof. You can take it from here. You you she were should've... riding the rails and you you saw your friend die. And now you got to get down from the roof. Now you got to get down from the roof. She better wake up to a Bentley on Christmas morning after but, all this shit. Now look at us talking about all this death. And I was raised watching uh, Tom and Jerry, you know, getting mm. murdered 800 times per scene. You know what I mean? And they mm. just bounce back to life. But I think this one is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But this one was about was about grief. Totally. I, I came across an article. It was hilarious. They said that Frosty the Snowman actually uses the oldest horror movie trope, and that is reanimation. Good sure. Frankenstein, a lifeless body coming back to life. And this, the only difference you don't notice it is because it isn't a nefarious. It doesn't have a nefarious intent, or it's not evil. But yes, the reanimation of something really? that's not supposed to. <laughs> like wow, that's mm. yeah. That's good. Yeah, it, it should be terrifying, right? I mean, if you if you're at, if you're a six year old self, or how old are these kids? Ten at most. I don't know. I mean, they're they're pre yeah. pre pubescent, I think, right? They're they're yeah. not quite junior high. And uh, I mean, what is the actual reaction if if a uh, snowman comes alive? Does it scare the shit out of you, or are you is it joyful? Is it a good time? I don't yeah. know. They're right at that age. Well, and I, they did such a good job at the very beginning of that movie with the like crossing the street and the little like. They, they, I remember being a little kid and watching that and being like that exact age and being like, oh, that's exactly what we do. We cross the street street together as a little group. Cause you have your little buddy, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. it, they really lull you into thinking this is going to be a nice little Christmas movie. And then it's a horror death film. It's a fucking bad trip. It's a fucking bad <laughs> LSD trip. <laughs> it's what ruined Pink Floyd. Yeah. <laughs> Or 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 started Pink Floyd. Either way, I guess started Pink Floyd. My bad. Carly, I'm going to check with you. Going to, going to give my papers to the guard before I can move on to the next. No, I'm over it. <laughs> big finish, the big one. The most watched, 1964, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Believe it or not, this was a pamphlet made for a department store in 1939 by a copywriter. Um, who, at the time, um, had a wife that was dying of a terminal illness. Shit. Yeah. I, I was doing some half-ass internet research and uh, came across a story where the widow, or daughter rather, said that no there wasn't any kind of racial activism in it or anything like that he was basing it on an ugly duckling and he was trying to create something for his kids um mm -hmm. in this period um before his wife passed away she passed away that summer after the initial publication so you're saying so, the pamphlet was about the whole story the pamphlet was the whole story it was a giveaway for a department store in chicago wow yeah i wonder if they got royalties he did that's what i was died. he did yes he got royalties and yes the the at his passing, it was a very healthy estate. So yeah, he did oh. not. It is not a sad Elvis Colonel Tom Parker story. He got what uh, what he deserved. Nice, good. So, but we yeah. also have 
the story of a young reindeer who is born with what is perceived initially as a disfigurement and something that keeps him from participating in his social circle while his father is part of a exclusive club and his Mm -hmm. father being Donner, one of Santa's reindeers. And then there is, then there are the workers who there is really a Marxist vision of the working class in this one with the elves Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. And uh, Rudolph and one of the elves, Hermie, who wants to be a dentist and not a toy making elf, mm-hmm. skip town, and uh, and then the adventure starts. Sean, mm. mm. I'm sorry, there's so much, and I guess it's so obvious, but I want. But, okay, I'll start with Hermie. He's not an elf, motherfuckers. He's not an elf. Why doesn't anyone ever address this? He does not have the pointed ears. He's this blue-eyed, this blue-eyed, blonde-haired kid. They never explain his backstory. I mean, I'm thinking he's like Bruce Wayne. He's like fucking orphaned and someone scooped him up like they do in all these fucking stories. What's the other story where they got scooped up? Uh, we just talked about it. Santa Claus is uh, coming to town. Santa Claus himself. Right. So uh, so I, I kept, I thought that his arc was going to be, oh, we realize you're different too. And like the parallels with Rudolph, but it never happened. We never got, did, did I miss it? Did I fall asleep for a part it where was, he got backstory? He's not a fucking elf. But he That's why he was different. He didn't give a shit. He's like, dude, I'm just a, a regular boy. He's like, it's like Pinocchio or something. I never noticed the, the physical difference. Totally. I definitely did. Um, I definitely did. And and that's why I felt like he would understand and get along with the whole misfitation. Misfit thing. Misfits. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. as we were talking about this, one of the things that came to me was, and I pointed out to MC, was I found Hermie to be non-binary mm-hmm. feminine mm-hmm. and then it hit me hermy was it short for hermaphrodite oh shit <laughs> you wow. never know that's crazy that, that you know is- the writers writers were like elbowing each other going i think we can slip this past the sentence <laughs> i think we can make this work herbie no hermy <laughs> Interesting. Oh, oh. I, I had a note just uh, hashtag racism, which I know is obvious, but you know, I mean, Clarice's dad, no doe of mine will be with a red nosed reindeer. It's like just throw in like an N word, an R word, an A word, mm-hmm. a G word, like what fill in the blank of like, you know, the, the disenfranchised group. And, and that's it. I was just like, wow. Oh, oh. And when he has a moment when, when, uh, no, that's Clarice's dad. When Rudolph's dad, all the dads are chauvinists like pigs, right? When mm-hmm. when Rudolph's dad has an opportunity to redeem himself, now I'm going to go after my boy and save him. What does he do as he walks out of the deer cave or wherever the fuck they live? Uh, he turns back to the, the wife's like, well, I'm going to go help you. He's like, no, this is for the men. This is a man's thing. I'm like, is that is that appropriate for 1964? Are they really making this guy out to be the dick he is? So. I think it was six. <laughs> I think it was 64. Sean, one of the things in here, and some more half-ass internet research, 1964 was the year the Civil Rights Act passed. Right. And so right. everybody glommed on to this and said that Rudolph became this, the Rudolph and Hermie became right. the uh, the activists that were blazing a trail. I have a whole fucking page up on my second screen, which is uh, uh, 1964, the year America lost it. Dylan, JFK, uh 
Civil Rights Act, uh, voting rights, I guess was right after that. Yeah, just all kinds of shit going down. Um, yeah, the American dream falls apart. Andy Warhol, Ken Casey's Merry Pranksters, all the crazy shit starts happening. All. And this was being this was being made in 63, which was the shit show. So I mean, that was released in 64, but this was being made in 63. So Okay. Okay. I mean, just when That's all fair. the wheels were coming off the bus. So what's your take? <laughs> this, is, this is just kind of thinly veiled socio-political stuff or you think it's I just I think so. In- I think so. I mean, you know, people deny it, but I mean, it's just I mean, it has it has racial overtones, you know, socio sexual overtones i mean right, right. the rise of feminism rise of feminism liberals back then right yeah and i, I mean you, step for wives step mm. I, mean, I mean the elves were just the elves were identical they were like clones it literally was like, but 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 there was some big dudes too but they all pretty much had the same hat the same feather same mm. whatever I, I was getting i was getting some step stepford yeah nice nice and nice. then and then the misfit toys, which is just you know that's just the blinking, the blinking red light, and all of this one, um, you know that everybody identifies with. I don't think anybody thinks the misfit island of misfit toys is a bad thing. Is a, like it was pretty cool. King Leonidas mm-hmm. is a badass. Mm-hmm. There was that, and it was weird because MC. I think you pointed this out before. There was nothing wrong with him. There was, I mean, he was he was a winged lion with an incredibly lovely bourbon and sugar timbered voice mm-hmm. i mean i like how you i like how you say nothing wrong with him i mean first of all i'm a leo so yes those are my people but i nice. like how you say nothing's wrong with him a uh, flying ass lion i mean he was still different jesus it was okay oh is that is that am i being able i don't know what what's the term i mean because it because what is different about him is attractive, so I'm giving him a pass. Is that what you're saying? He's not a squirt I'm saying, gun. I'm not, no, I'm not saying that you're giving him a pass, but you were saying nothing's wrong with him. And I'm thinking, not a lot of lions in the jungle fly. Okay, not a lot. You know. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. There, fair point. There's a writing question I have about that. I, I think there's a miss in the writing. Le- is it Leonidas? Is that really what his what his mm-hmm. name was? He. Yeah. Uh, isn't that out of like the the fuck it? Never mind. The king of Sparta. He, okay, thank you, thank yep. you, thank you. Um, at one point he says, "Living things can't stay here, right? They're all toys." Yeah. So what the fuck is he? I thought he right. was a living griffin. <laughs> I thought he was a a real he griffin saying- who That's just right. happened to be looking after all the toys but then he's like you guys can't stay because you're living and immediately my girlfriend was like yeah but the the lion's alive isn't he and i was like right. Fuck, i don't know is he a toy or is he living but he's like i think he was like above all you know what i mean yeah that's true he doesn't that's fit true. into the magical rules yeah they, they either let that story point go or they i don't know they just didn't give a fuck I don't know. okay i i'm editing that all that out because i'm an what? idiot yeah because it wasn't king leonidas i don't know where i got that from I think there's not enough air going through my recording studio. He he actually had the really funky name that I think if I had another kid, I would name him this. He was King Moonracer. Wait, why did I think it was Leonidas too, though? I know. That's what it was yeah. too. The winged lion who serves as the ruler of the island of misfit toys. Yeah. 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 Mm. Can I Google it or is that what you, exactly what you just did? I just did. Oh, hey, man, they sell, they sell T-shirts of his on Etsy. Oh, cool. I wanted to say something about King of the, the Misfit um, Toys. I wanted to say something about Hermie. Yes. Is that how you say his name? Yes, you know, Hermie. I liked, 
I like that he really was very strong with his passion for dentistry. I was yep. very proud. Um, and one of the things that I noticed, I guess that I could um, kind of relate to um, was that like, I think when they popped up out of the snowbank or something like that, uh, I don't know who it was that popped up, but then they, they saw him and said, you know, who are you? And he said, I'm a dentist. And I was just like, mm -hmm. gangster, because it's, it's just, it's the power of being around different people not saying anything negative about the people who you know, but I was not born Carly. I was born Carla and I changed my name in 2006. And mm -hmm. I had such a rough time with people I knew saying my new name. And, you know, just because they just didn't want to, they didn't want to see, you know, I'm sitting here thinking I'm going through my personal transformation. And I felt like a lot of people didn't necessarily respect it. And when I went to a new school, it changed everything because I'm like, nobody knows my past. You know, mm -hmm. I walked in there as Carly and the shit was just so healing. And so I was able to sit in that. And I just thought it was so gangster when he just immediately said, you know, I'm a dentist, you know? Mm -hmm. no, I mean, this is a beautiful story about found family. This mm -hmm. is the one because that is at the end of the movie, it is Rudolph is stronger and Hermie because Yukon Cornelius, Bumble, Clarice, everybody's it, it is not nobody's joined by blood, but everybody is joined. They are found family. It's just mm -hmm. it's a really cool little little way to wrap it up. And Santa's still a prick. Yeah, Santa's the worst in this one. He's just a piece of shit in this one. He can't stand his elves singing. He's a fraud because mm -hmm. he's skinny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're and, trying to like stuff him like a goose. Yes. And then he has no tolerance for anything different. He's all about, oh yeah, he's he's essentially like owns racehorses. Only want the best stock. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, he's not a good guy. I mean, you're mad because he was skinny. I, he was just—it was just weird looking, you know. Eat, Papa, eat that whole thing. Because the wife wanted to fatten him up. I thought she just didn't want him out there in those streets, you know, because he could have, you know what I mean? Like you could take this you know, Santa, you could she, take in a heartbeat. Yeah, <laughs> well, she's trying to make sure he's not on the market. He's not. He's not exactly. Have a side That's chick, what I'm saying. You, mm -hmm. She didn't. He didn't. You know. Mm -hmm. But the mm -hmm. thing is, is girl, you know, women like some fluffy dudes too. I always mm. thought that that was just because it was cold. Really? The, the mm. right, the fatness. Oh, no, I, I don't know. Yukon Cornelius, who is the whitest man ever with the blackest name, uh, and I can say that because I'm black. <laughs> very black. Uh, yeah, very, very black. black. Who are you? Who am I? The name's Yukon Cornelius, the greatest prospector in the north. This is my land, and you know, it's rich with gold. Gold! Gold and silver! Silver and gold! Wahoo! <laughs> Nothing. I mean, what white Cornelius have you ever fucking known? Very. None. Zero. Very, very black. <laughs> I like it. And and he's not in the most pain, but kind of on what uh, Carly's talking about, the sort of kink the uh so he licks his fucking pickaxe excuse me every time I he wanted puts it to in the snow do. i wanted and, to and the google sound. that shit because i'm like what 
the hell is he licking? I said, maybe I'll Google and find out that this is how the people back in the 1800s found out a particular metal. I was like, what kind of bullshit is going on here? This guy's got a mass spectrometer for a mouth. It's a talent. It's but good. did anybody research that? I was mm. so disturbed. Right. I didn't research it because I just made the note and was like, this is crazy. Someone has to have an explanation. Okay, I have to ask you, have anybody ever like, <laughs> no, I'm not going to admit this no 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 you can't do that yeah you can't i wanted to be a, I, I wanted to be a paleontologist when i was a kid so we used to dig for fossils in southern california up until like shit i was like 16 or something and inevitably every single trip when we go looking for fossils somebody would throw the goddamn pickaxe up in the air and pick it up and, and do that like and do a yukon cornelia stick oh yeah no everybody would yeah it was a bigger it was a running joke no shit yeah. yeah, but nobody knows if there was any real history behind it. I don't think so. There doesn't it's need like to be. A you can't Cornelius that says gold is near. Right, right. What were the writer? Again, I go back to the writers' room. Like, how? What were they thinking? Oh, this is fun. This is cute. The kids will love it. No, the kids would be like, oh, because I was like, as an adult, I was like, oh, what's that? It's an, it's it, 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 it didn't gross me out that much. Yeah. What's the condition called, MC Pika? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Did y'all notice, uh, I don't know what his friend is, but um, I don't even know if his friend ended up turning on him when his nose came out. He had one of his homies, one of um, Rudolph's homies. No, they got, everybody, everybody shut the Did hell up and backed off. Did everybody turn on him once he well, got the thing? Because I said to myself, he's got some nerve. First of all, he was blonde. He had his little blonde toupee, some freckles, not like freckles are bad, but he was totally different-ish. Mm. The, 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 um, the, the friend that Rudolph made, like a deer friend. Oh, I thought all the deer, I thought all the deer were, uh, like their fathers there. It was this old boys network. Uh, and then the kids get special training because they're the sons of I know, the but dads. You just, but, but you didn't notice the little blonde toupee one with the I freckles? Didn't. He I stood didn't. right out to me. And I was like, he got some nerve. No, I think this, everybody shut the hell up and backed down when Santa showed up. Everybody slapped back mm. into shape. Mm. So, yeah, no, it was it was a reindeer skull and bones club. Everybody just like, that. all right. They're like the, the Yale grads, right? They're just going to like skate right into fucking the <laughs> Ivy Leagues because their dads are blue bloods. You know, it's fucking bullshit. There's a whole bunch of class shit in there besides the race as well. MC, what do we got? Did we cover it? Or what was the over? What was the overarching theme on Rudolph? It's interesting. I think we um we have covered a lot of it, but I, I kind of see it as like a hero's journey or an epic. Yeah. Mm. And this, this, that it's a movie about belonging and um, and what it means to that we don't always get. Uh, I think all this other stuff is so fascinating, but kind of the more superficial idea is that like you don't always get what you need from your blood relatives, and so you mm -hmm. need to have this you know this chosen family thing, and that that's really a beautiful thing. There's uh, I think an interesting reversal with the dentist, right? Because he's getting he's he's getting sort of ostracized for wanting to do something useful. And he's living mm -hmm. with a bunch of artists in some sense. So, um, but yeah, no, I think we covered it all. So it's sort of like the alchemist. It's my, my favorite yeah. version of the alchemist. You have to like take this massive journey and come back to where you started. Yes, and it's, totally. it's always been. Yeah. I love it. And then you know it the first time as T.S. Eliot says. Yeah. 
And I love the quote where it says, can't run away from your troubles. That was a key sign of growing up. Mm. That's nice. Mm -hmm. For the sake of having this end correctly in the spirit of Christmas, I'm going to have it end on that lovely note, Carly. You're welcome. Uh, uh, all right. This has been an absolute joy. Third time was a charm. We tried to get this one off the ground a few times. Sean, swear to God, fantastic. Thank you. It was for fun, having... Sean. It was great meeting you. Likewise, Carly. I, I I feel like I'm by far the least intellectual in this group, but it helps me, you know, up my game. I learned so much from y'all. So it's a it's a pleasure. Pleasure meeting you and hearing MC go on these fucking psychoanalytical tangents that I'm just like scribbling notes furiously. Like, what the fuck? I, I feel smarter just being you... in a podcast with MC. Yeah, I know. You've got to listen to the Marvel one. The Marvel one is just it's the best. I'm going to ask you for a sequel. I know. I'm going to listen to it tonight, yeah. and then I'm going to be like, dude, I've got ideas. Yes. Sean, where can people find you? Uh, Instagram. It's just my name, Sean Cardinale. S-E-A-N-C-A-R-D-I-N-A-L-L-I. -L -L -I, uh, sharing there regularly. Um, great. Down for one-on-ones. Down for an eight-week course. I never diagnose anybody as a sex or love addict. You got to come with it and grow into your own position and just see what you are codependent whatever or none of the above but regardless we always just talk about you know getting into some healthy intimacy and healthy sexuality and i just i love what i do and thank you for the opportunity to uh to be here paul uh facebook too sean cardinale uh life coach on facebook well you're, you're going to be back we're going to find some excuses carly where can people find you carly has a wonderful my, my, tiktok my instagram my and instagram my Instagram is Carly Musing, C-A-R-L-L-I-E Musings, M-U-S-I-N-G-S at um at G look at me at gmail.com. What a bonehead. Carly Musings is my IG. So we'll leave it at that. All right. And I think if you really want some coaching that has a different flavor and get some results, please look up Carly. If you if you want to get knocked around like I did, <laughs> MC, where can everybody find you? I'm on Instagram at MC PhD E M S E Y PhD, and I also have a website, um, alchemycoaching.life. That's where all my stuff is. And you have a new book coming out too, right? I do yeah, in March. Nice. It's broken. I can't wait. On trauma. Yes. All right. MC PhD. This is what I'm saying. I feel like I went up two IQs being on this podcast. All right. Same. Yeah. And uh yeah, smart, funny, tortured for everything for me. Instagram website, uh, smart funny tortured coach says it all right there. This has you been know, an absolute joy. I'm sorry, yes, well, Carly. I was gonna say something because you're the host, so you don't really get to big yourself up, but you know. Where can we find you? I'm just kidding. But I'm just saying, like, you're you're awesome. Like, you created this awesomeness. So you wouldn't necessarily say that about yourself. So I wanted to, you know, thank you and say that you're amazing. Oh, that means a lot. That really means a lot. And I didn't create it. I curated this group. This is this is so funny because I curated it. That was it. So, yeah. SmartFunnyTorture.com for everything. You guys, everyone, have an absolutely amazing holiday season. 
safe, happy, and healthy. And uh, be well. Talk to you later. Thanks. Thanks.